Welcome to 90 and a little extra. Whilst 90 and a little extra is a football business uh, podcast. From time to time, because I also watch other sports and I'm also always interested in the progress of other sports, especially in Nigeria. So I think this will be the second time we'll be taking a segue. I'll be talking basketball. Um, Nitro Literature, like I said, my name is Adeyemi Adesoya. Uh, I present the show. Um, I want to thank everybody that listens, that gives us feedback on the progress that we're making and the conversations that we are raising and the engagements we have gotten so far. Today on the show, I have my brother, a trailblazer, one of the next generation of basketball pundits coming out of Nigeria. He's not a big man taking pictures with LeBron, hanging out with Victor Ladipo, and all those <laughs> things that I dreamed of as a young man coming up. Uh, it's my pleasure to introduce Olua Femia Defeso. Welcome to Night Challenge to Extra. Thank you very much for having me. Wow, what a flattery <laughs> you have there. Well, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, my big boss. Uh, I mean, you you also inspire a lot out of me and the rest of the guys you work with, both at Sports Vision and, of course, at Top Radio, where we first met. I mean, it's been an incredible, amazing journey working with you and thorough learning experience, I must say. And with um, the new um, innovation of this podcast, I think it's fantastic. It's In fact, it's really spurred me, you know, to even do more that I'm already doing. Um, I mean, I'm already taking notes of one or two things that I could add to my own um, area of um, media um, exposure. So um, I'd like to say thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. And let's get the ball rolling. Yeah, welcome, Femi. Thank you for accepting our invitation. So not to, you know, beat around the bush, our focus, you know, first of all, let me even say this, uh, well, Kobe Bryant and myself are about the same age, so um, it's uh, it was sad, you know, to to hear Kobe passing away. And um, whilst you know, death is a very very painful thing, and you know, you talk about Kobe Bryant, you talk about the guy that took the baton off Michael Jordan, uh, the man that took. The Lakers away from the Showtime era with Shaq, and then obviously going on eventually with the likes of uh, Paul Gasol to win double titles for uh, the Los Angeles Lakers and all that. But if I then look at it from a business perspective as well, I can imagine what the shops, Nike, and what the, the likes would have, you know, had to cope with in terms of requests and orders for memorabilia and what have you. It's so sad how Kobe passed on. Um, we just, I guess we can just enjoy the legacy and wait till the memorial on the 24th and um, give all our tributes. I don't know if you have any fond Kobe memory that you'd like to share. Uh, well, uh, I, have, I have a couple, but I'll just maybe pick one or two. Uh, to be to be to be honest with you, I, I'm not sure anybody who really loves sports or basketball, particularly, um, will not be taught deep down uh, with, the, with the death of Kobe Bryant. I mean, it's not just another basketball player. Um, he, he was also a trailblazing star, and exactly like you said it, uh, Michael Jordan put basketball on the global map. Uh, but from a media marketing perspective, Kobe Bryant you know, took it all the way up. Um, virtually in the late 90s, early 2000s, Los Angeles Lakers jerseys were, were everywhere, even in Nigeria. Yeah. And those jerseys were number eight. Yeah. Um, Kobe yeah. Bryant. They were probably the most popular jerseys in Nigeria, if not Africa. Yeah. Uh, so that, that was just how much marketing influence Kobe Bryant had, and everybody you know, seemed to. Um, want to tie things around him for his impact. Um, of course, he came in with an Afro um, young guy from high school. The way he wore his armband, it was something a lot of us replicated. Those yeah. of us who played basketball growing yeah. up, um, trying to put that armband just right, you know, in the middle of your 
arm and of course um you know the way he just did his thing the stung out he was so close to michael jordan yeah i said this um a lot of times in conversations but a lot of people say he's blasphemous <laughs> uh, but, but i would like to reiterate it you know that kobe bryant is the closest thing to michael jordan yeah and michael jordan is the closest thing to lebron I say that not in disrespect because yeah. I just think LeBron James is on another category on his own. And if you want to look at LeBron James's greatness, um, you want to think perhaps only Michael Jordan surpasses that. Um, it's just like calling Steph Curry into this conversation. I think he's also one of the greatest of all time. But unfortunately, he is on his own pedestal. You can't drag him in. So I, I, I see Michael Jordan as one man on the top. Michael um, Kobe Bryant comes right close to him. And then you have LeBron James in another category entirely because of his size and what he's yeah. been able to do with his body yeah. and his longevity as well. And so Kobe really, you know, talks business when you look at just how much Michael Jordan did for the game, putting it in the forefront of sports. Um, I think Kobe Bryant took it um, worldwide. He was one of the first people to go to Asia, China, to start launching products, his merchandise, yeah. his personal branding, you know, the Kobe shoes as well. He started with Adidas before he switched to Nike. Yeah, trustingly, like if a lot of people don't know that that side, he started with Adidas and switched to Nike. Yeah, exactly. That would have been for, be for a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. And at the time, and Nike too were, were trying to really eat the market going because um, they were not the most popular. The Adidas Pro model um, really was was like the thing in the NBA. They had all the biggest athletes at the time. And mind you, also the official NBA jerseys were also Adidas. So it was it was good business for them at the time. And it was like number one up until they began to start looking out for personal branding stuff. Yeah. I mean, Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan started the Air Jordan brand. So a lot of people couldn't affiliate Nike with Air Jordan because Air Jordan practically stood on its own. On its own, so yeah. gradually, Nike decided to narrow down, so they started picking out athletes. And Kobe was one of the first stars they picked before. Today we see LeBron James's shoes, we see Kevin Durant, we see Kyrie Irving. All those guys now are making gains from what I think personally Kobe Bryant started in terms of partnerships because Michael Jordan's was on another level. Hey, the Air Jordan brand stands alone still till tomorrow, so. Yeah. Yeah, it still does stand alone and they still gross millions. It's still the highest selling shoes in the US and I heard per unit is still the most expensive. Yeah, it is actually. It is expensive. Very expensive. <laughs> and it's still selling out. So yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's just amazing. It is expensive. Amazing. Anytime I see anybody wearing any Jordan shoes, I look at the president and I'm like, damn! You have right. a sticker game, you know, on point. But... Yeah. Very expensive. All right, so family, let, let's 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 move on. So, interesting thing, at least from a local standpoint, Nigeria, the first team in Africa. And you can correct me if I'm wrong. That will be presenting two teams, male and female, in basketball in Olympic history. I think that is huge. And looking at it from a business perspective. I doubt we have the capability to leverage corporate Nigeria, to leverage on a sustainable basis this huge achievement that we've just gotten. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I share your doubts. Um, I share your doubts, not out of my mind working, but out of practical experience. I was privileged and fortunate to be in Tunisia in 2015 when the D-Tigers won our first ever Afro-Basket title. And it's almost unbelievable when you think about the fact that it was just 2015 we won our first Afro-Basket yeah. you know, as, as a nation. And uh, it, was, it was huge. It was big, you know, because, um, I mean, prior to that, we didn't, we, the Olympic Games wasn't very much celebrated because of how we lost. You know, we lost agonizingly in 2013 <laughs> at Afro Basket, hoping that we'll get into the inaugural because then FIBA rebranded the World Championship to yeah. become the World Cup in Spain in 2014. And we missed out of that. That was really, really, really so sad. And then we come out in 2015 and we take the world by storm. Um, we had a few new committers to the team. 
fortified us, made us stronger. And we had a new coach in William Void, an American, oh, yeah. who was also top notch. You know, it was worth all his onions. And it was incredible that um, we beat Senegal, who was super talented. Angola. Um, Angola, too, who were dominating for a very long period. We just decimated them in that final. And that was a huge statement that our time had come and we are kings. And everybody celebrated us. The whole of Africa did celebrate us. I remember um, at some point before that game, the vice president, um, His Excellency Yemi Shibajo, put a call through to the players, um, congratulating them uh, for getting through beating Senegal in the semi-finals and really hoping and wishing that you know they get uh, the goods in the bag and win. And they eventually won. And that was the last we heard from you know the presidency um, concerning that, which was a disappointment, huge disappointment for the players personally, and I think for me as well as a fan and a, a sports media person because that could have been the biggest endorsement yeah. for corporate Nigeria um, if um, they were celebrated just mm. in typical style. Femi, Femi, to... Femi, hold on. I, I, I think I like the angle you have taken this from. The fact that, corporate, that the presidency, the country, the government didn't welcome them and embrace them probably cast as passions on the team. Yes. So, you know, a, a government government approval, a seal of approval from the government would have helped a lot for corporate Nigeria to say, yes, this is a good brand for us to put our money into. Exactly. Exactly. And, and the truth is, that is the, that's the benefit or the extra benefit football gets. The yeah. Super Eagles get. Uh-huh. You know, that all other sports don't. And um, we know how things work in Nigeria. Government support is, is like the entry gate to every other good thing coming, you know, right behind it. And I think that was the first loss uh, for basketball in Nigeria because that was the, that's the highest attainable level you could imagine, you know, that we will attain. And, you know, we, we didn't even get, you know, a common um, presidential I, I remember I remember for a fact that later on, I think um, there was an event for yeah. guys who went to the African Games yeah. under 17 were being um, celebrated. And it was an afterthought because I followed through, you know, um, that um, program schedule very well. And then it was an afterthought for basketball to be added. And in fact, there was a statement credited to a top official in the sports ministry saying mm. that... Um, you know, they did not know that, um, you know, Nigeria actually had qualified for the Olympics um, at the time because, you know, we qualified by by basket. Yeah. I kid you not, the players were giving, I think, 450,000 naira. Yeah, I heard that. I heard that. Yeah. As prize money, only like three players showed up in Nigeria to receive the prize, including the, the coach who, of course, was was ginger to come through by the federation but that for me was a total total disservice uh to basketball um in, in general and um but would you me, say that would you say that you know sometimes i I'm, I'm always of the opinion that i think that our administrators and, and when i say our administrators i'm talking about people outside football need to yeah. do a better job in even showcasing the sport to the people in government now why do i say so Imagine Pinnick, and sorry I have to bring football into it. I know it's part of our rules in basketball arena. You don't bring football matter where you're <laughs> basketball. Imagine Pinnick, Odiko are always in the news. Good or bad, they're always right. in the news. So somehow, they're in the consciousness of those in government, right? Yes. Somehow, they're in the consciousness of the state governments who think and who consider that brand, the Super Eagles, as such a big brand. I don't think our guys in basketball have branded the, the Tigers as a brand that the government itself will see it and say, no, we can't let go of this brand. We need to, we need to embrace this brand. I don't think they've... they've they branded the Tigers and the Tigresses 
that way. And maybe that's why there's that disconnect. Um, I, I would agree with you in some bits, um, and I also disagree in some bits. Um, I agree with you. Oh, yes, I think that you just haven't done enough and aren't doing enough and in terms of pushing out the brand and uh, pushing out the, the players or the brand of the national team hard enough uh, to corporate Nigeria and also the years of people in government. Um, and why I also throw the stick at them is that a lot of these guys also are influential and they have people in the corridors of power. I mean, um, depending on where you stand, the former president of the uh, Nigeria Basketball Federation now, uh, Mr. Umar, I mean, is a is a civil servant. He works in the federal civil service. In fact, he works in the presidency. Wow. Uh, so he, he probably would just need a few minutes of stroll to get into wherever he needs to get to in terms of the office. And even by protocol, I'm sure he will have access. You know, to some to some degree, to the seat Impressive. of power. Yeah. So how well he has used that that I can't say from over here. Uh, but but I also think you know you could have done more. Um, really, from a personal standpoint, even if not from an official point. Um, for where I disagree is that let's not forget also that football has like a twenty-year head start above other sports. Um, because even he said. I think it's like 30 or 40. <laughs> you know, about 30 years or more. Or more uh, because we all grew up loving football. Yeah. I started out loving sports because of football. I remember, you know, the days of um, Romario, um, the Divine Ponytail, Roberto Baggio. Then came the Rashidi Yakinis of this world that we fell in love with and everybody just wanted to uh, aspire to be like them. I, you know remember mimicking you know their goal celebration and all of that growing up um here in lagos before basketball came through my my mid-teen years so you look at it and it's like sports the sport that bleeds you know every african or every nigerian let me narrow it down is football so it's it's like it's subconscious everybody reacts when something is happening to football you know even in our commentaries even in basketball groups or, you know, when we are talking, once something occurs immediately to football or something, we are first to react before we, you know, start thinking about, okay, no, I think this is too much sensation. So I, I think that's the advantage football has already. It already has the followership, it already has the drive, it already has, you know, the mindset. So it, it's a lot easier for them to get through. However, I also agree that a lot of these administrators can do more than they are doing. And... It's ironical that um, they really are not walking the talk. You know, they come out every now and again to say, yes, government abandonment, this, that, that, this. But how much are they doing? You know, how much influence are they playing? I mean, personally for me, um, yeah, this can go on record. I went to the Afro baskets, I've been to about five, six now. And I have gone as an independent journalist to cover these tournaments. Hmm. And I get there and I'm practically maybe the only person there or there's one more Nigerian hmm. right there. And um, so you, you look at it and you're wondering just how much uh, publicity that will translate to or hmm. how much mileage that will give to a brand who wants to associate. Unlike football, the, that will unlike act football. private jets. Oh, play. You know, they are part of your contingent, more or less. Yeah. You know, are probably offering them stipends, you know, just to be there to do some specific things. Even some of them are strategically taking to promote some of the partners of yeah. the national team, yeah. you know, in strategic ways, um, on site during the tournament, you know, just to give back my lead to those people who offer these things. So you look at all these other sports and you're like, you don't see those incentives, you don't see those things. So what is, there. So they're not really being deliberate. So what you're saying is that the MBF needs to do something deliberate on the media side to push the brand. To the, yeah, both the media and the marketing side. To the media. You know, let, let me give you an example. Before the World Cup, uh, which was last year, right? Yes, it was last when year. When the team, yeah. let's forget about the money issues they had. Let's put the money issues aside. That happens to everybody. Even in football, they have money issues. Yeah. Let's put the money issues aside. I felt that with the level of exposure, <clears throat> 
the connections that Musa Kida had, the fact that the entire team was here in Lagos, they could have organized a small banquet, meet and greet, right? For the Tigers to meet the media, members of the public, or have like a special VIP event, meet the top brands. Now, what top brands like is access. If they have access to the players, access to the team, what they want is eyeballs. They know that, oh, so I can meet this guy. I can meet Stan Okoye. I can meet Eko Diogo. I can meet the Aminu brothers. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I thought that with the fact that the team was here in Lagos anyway, they could have done something just to project the fact that this team is going to the World Cup. But they didn't do anything. I think they were yeah. just more focused on the money they were, they were looking to get from the government. Money that they needed for. They didn't plan the period that they were going to be here. And same with the women too. In 2018, yeah. I think before they went for, was it the World Cup in 2018? Yeah, the World Cup, yeah. yeah I remember scale. I came for yeah. their training at uh, Teslin Balogun. That was when I was having my, my summer camp for kids and I came with the kids to yeah, come and watch uh, them train. And they didn't do anything from a corporate perspective. If you're telling a corporate that, oh, you're going to meet Ezine Kalu, you will meet Victoria Macaulay, you will meet some of these ladies. These are the stars of the team. Now, from a collective and an individual perspective, it gives those girls an opportunity. Who knows? Um, uh, a Lux can sign Ezine Kalu, for instance. Lux can yeah. sign uh, Victoria Macaulay. Uh, always can sign one of them. You know, the female brands can, yeah. you know, they, 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 they get access to them. And then that in itself would then, what they're doing, what they're doing individually with the basketball, with the lady, can dovetail to the entire team. In fact, yeah. when they are discussing the individual, they can tell them, oh, no, why don't you do something for the entire team? Right. You know, so these are some of the conversations that I think that our administrators should be having. It, it goes beyond just going to knock on the doors of those in government. We, we have this budget. We need this money. No. We need to get to a point where we need to be much more creative. Now, right. these ladies are going to come back from this OQT. What is the plan to sh showcase them to the country? We know what it is about making noise about inclusion, you know, equality. How are we encouraging girls to take up the game of basketball using this team? How are we encouraging young boys to probably take their eyes off? Of course, I'm sure basketball would have lost a lot of talent to football. Why? Because that environment has not been created for them to to embrace and say, oh, I can see Aiki Diogo. I can see the Amino brothers. That direct link does not exist. You're absolutely spot on. Um, and it, it's, it's, it's quite sad. And when you look at the pedigree of some of these administrators, you would expect more from them. And like you rightly pointed out, you know, they see, um, this might be a tough criticism, but I think they see, you know, these offices as a meal ticket, you know, rather yeah, I agree with you. You know, you know what? Rather than paid with, you know, uh, with uh, setting up your banquet. You know what? Tell me. You know I'm particularly paid with uh, Musakida. He's a top guy in a major company in Nigeria. Yeah. I am sure he will have the number of not less than six marriage directors of the big banks in Nigeria. I'm very sure. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you will have the numbers of other big oil companies, MDs of oil companies, and other big guys in other industries in Nigeria. It won't take him anything to get right. those guys together in a room, even if it's just a photo. Let, 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 let me embellish your point a little bit. Um, there were 32 countries at the World Cup in China. Yeah. Nigeria was the only country in China without the shared sponsorship. Yeah. Not even that. the company Mr. Kida works for. Works for. Yeah. They put it wide enough to use, you know, the national team 
as a marketing tool. So it speaks of just how much and how you know deep thinking these guys are. You know, with regards to the marketing side of the game, I really don't think their eyes are open to it. I don't think they see anything to it. Um, you talked you talked about the World Cup. As you were saying it, I was just nodding my head because as at February last year, I had like three proposals. I wanted to run for the national teams, um, for the national team going to to China, and I, I in fact one of it had me try to do a last minute rush to seeing if I could eventually get myself there uh, to China itself. But I faced some bottlenecks at the Chinese embassy. But but you know the idea was okay. For example, um, we had a cable TV who had a local partnership yeah. televised the game. It was it was. Got painful for me to find out that the studio setup for the broadcast of this competition was out there in Kenya. Are you serious? Yes, it was in Kenya, not in Nigeria. And Kenya Where didn't qualify for the competition. Yeah. So I found out. I found that out very early, and then I pushed. I led with me. Let's call their name. I pushed out to start times to find yeah. out, you know, what we could do. You know, to get a studio out here because it gives marketing opportunities. Yeah. I mean, we make money Even in terms of them. They will make money now. Their marketing manager actually told me they were of no interest. No, uh, int- it was a very simple text message, very straightforward and simple. Try. Very straightforward and simple. Imagine the content. Imagine the content you could create for their I, platform. I, I mean, okay. Even if, thought, do, wait, even if you don't want to do, even if you don't want to do a live broadcasting, how about social media? Digital Femi, media is. Femi, Femi. Okay. But they tweeted just a few days ago about Star Times. That why are, why do they actually go and buy this content if they're not going to do anything reasonable with it? That the way they handle the content, the way they handle the rights, is quite shambolic. Compared to the way DSTV will handle it, and, and this is not to hold brief for anybody, but in all sincerity, I don't think Star Times have handled the rights or creative con- Imagine the amount of content they could have created, the buzz they could have created, and right. at the same time, which would have led to marketing opportunities for them. Brands could have said, okay, let's sponsor this segment. Anytime, anytime Nigeria is playing, we'll put uh, whatever, you know, I don't know. And it was a marathon of games, back to back. Oh you yeah, know, long period of time. I, I think I think their marketing strategy is, is is a lot different from the typical, you know, um, what was what the typical marketplace strategy that that should be adopted by any um, organization that is serious about business. Um, sorry, I, I I'm I'm putting this out there, but I mean. You look at their body language. I think they are just focused on return customers um, who just subscribe to their pay TV. Because you look at it more or less, they actually don't have any no advance production, even production in terms yeah. of land production in Nigeria. And that even takes me back to NBC. I really don't know if there's any monitoring going on because I know multi choice or DSV, for example, before they could operate as we were told. They had to do some level of local content oh, yes. generation and creation, oh, yeah. but there is absolutely none with regards to sports um, in Nigeria. And um, for me, it's 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 terrible. It's disservice because if it was another cable network that perhaps had that content, ah. maybe it would have been better utilized. It could have given better marketing opportunities, you know, for the media and of course even the national team as well and exposure. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look at it, so I think they are just about niche market. They have, you know, this particular sect they are looking at segment marketing, and they are cool with that, and that's why they are not pushing. So anyway, um, away away from 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 that, I I I think um, the the um, administrators haven't done enough, um, like you said, and we really need to start looking at ways. If not this fire, which is why I I, I shared your doubt. Would just you know catch us for a few moments, and would just die down like it did um, after we won in 2015. After the girls did so well at the FIBA um, and at the Olympic qualifiers in 2016, if you remember, isn't it? Yeah. Carlos Bozabisa against Korea, losing to Belarus, almost qualifying for 
Rio 2016. We didn't. We did so well too in Rio 2016. The guys yeah. um, narrowly losing to Spain, narrowly losing to Lithuania. Very tough. We almost got through. We beat Croatia. We were the top uh, team in our group, coincidentally. Yeah. And um, we, that also got us some mileage because it attracted a few more stars that we we want to see, which now transformed into. Afro Basket 2017, even though there was a total overhaul and chaos, you know, in terms of um, management. Um, yeah, it, it, it was it was so, so bad. And this is why this really hurts. It hurts because if the biggest brand, the national team, cannot get this corporate recognition, how do we expect the local league, the the Uluyole Warriors, you know, the River Zupas, to get anything. If our biggest export can't be qualifiable, you know, as, as being valuable, that, that really is what really hurts me, you know, the most in all of this. Because all these um, national team players are not even based in Nigeria. Yeah. Uh, so the benefits, you know, should trickle down home, and that's the only way it can. And unfortunately, you know, it, it, it doesn't and it hasn't in the last, um, say, two decades. Are we saying that, um, um, okay, well, I, I always try to avoid us talking too much about administrators. I mean, but my, my worry is if you are able to brand the national team, this huge milestone that we have achieved now, how well can it trickle down to the well, we know the Premier, the Premier Basketball League has an issue, so let's just put that aside to yeah. the Division 1 and to the Division 2. And, and, and I'm saying this because I watched the Division 2 championships. I was impressed with the talent that I saw, but I was not impressed with the marketing of the event, of the competition. It seemed more like, you know, when it was as if it was a pick-up game. You know, yeah, just bring guys together. Just like bring that. guys together because there was no branding, no fanfare. A winner was was you know, winner emerged, but no fanfare whatsoever, and it was very very worrisome for me. I saw a lot of times. I saw a young boy that well, you say he's fifteen, plays for Ogun Rockets. Fantastic point guard, really good, good talent, but. How much coverage did the competition have? And then you now ask yourself, with this success at the highest level, basketball, if basketball does not take into consideration the gains that they're having now, if they can't capitalize on the gains they're having now, it will just be like football where everything is top heavy. It's at the top. The success points are Super Eagles, the Tigers, and that's it. Uh, and really, that's what it's amounting to um, in the last, um, say, five, six years. Um, I mean, I, I don't want to really put all the book and say, you know, it's all on the Kida board. Um, the Tijani Romar board, too, you know, suffered that a little bit. Uh, but I think with the entry of Kwese, you know, in between, there seemed to be a resurgence all of a sudden. And it was looking more like, okay, something is about to change um, for with regards to that. But of course, that too didn't materialize because our guys were busy fighting themselves and our sponsors were, you know, holding on to their money. And like they say, you know, in economics, if you don't spend your money, your money on commodity X, you spend it on Y. Of course. So since, since our were not ready, you know, they moved on to something else, even though that something else, you know, didn't end up being the best for them. But, you know, you look at it all together and, um, you know, it's it's like, that's what it is. And it's not looking like it's going to change because, I mean, there was a division one earlier this, late last month, earlier this I didn't year. Know, I didn't even know it was going on. Same, same. It was, it was someone who gave me an appointment, like, I, I'm in Lagos. I'm like, you're in Lagos to do what? And he was like, you came to work division one. Oh, really? Division one is going down. Okay, I'll find a way to come there. So one of those Sundays, I just rushed back from church. I just went straight there. And even, should, should I shock you, that the tournament was supposed to finish on the Monday. I wonder why you put a final on the Monday. I can't Monday tell you anyway. it's on the Monday. You were supposed to finish on the Monday, but for some reason, they decided to shift it back by one day. 
and then they were like oh he was supposed to finish tomorrow but he's finished but we have to finish today and i'm like how, how on earth how do we do things like this uh it's, it's, it's i don't know sometimes you, you look at these things and you're wondering if it's the same um if it's the same water we drink the same food we eat you know why look <laughs> at some of these things and people think you know so very far and wide from what you expect or what the norm is we see these things all over the world and it's not rocket science uh, i mean just just look at I, I i don't want to go this way but i think i have to um just look at how much our continental championships have been all the while our fiba club champions cup i mean it's been it's been awful i i, I can I've, I've been covering it since 2013 and I can tell you for a fact that it's of no financial benefit to any team that qualifies to play on the continent with regards to basketball. Well, guess what? Now everybody go waxing lyrical about the basketball Africa League coming up. Why? Because this NBA has seen that nothing is happening here. There's a market here. There's an opportunity here. Yeah. Now they are coming to put things together. It's the same competition that has lasted over 40 years and nothing has come out of it just because some people are right thinking they understand perspectives they understand what it takes to do business and i am very very optimistic about the leadership of amadou galofor he knows exactly what he's doing he's not being you know eye clouded with his imaginations he's taking it one step at a time he knows and here's why one reason why you know i think he knows what he's doing first of all bringing fiba along yeah. We are in this together. We are in this together. We're not, we're not creating a parallel league. Exactly. We are not creating a parallel league. We are running with you guys. Okay, yes, you guys haven't done it well, but okay, we'll give you some level of responsibility, but this is our show. And I think that was a mistake one of our brothers did. League, And it's, it's just a mental approach we have as Nigerians. Sometimes yeah. we don't respect authority or give room to, you know, just normal things that no, should run. It has to do with hard. a bit of uh, our sense of entitlement and individualistic nature. Nami Dua, yes. you know, one-man business. Exactly. One, yeah. And I, I said that to say this. It also goes back to our federations as well. A lot of these guys are not long-term thinking. Yeah. Um, you know, if you mind me going into um, some of the questions I know you're going to ask me about Mike Brown and all that. I don't think that move is a long-term move. Is is short-term? It's just um, playing to the gallery, in my opinion. Okay, let's move. Um, let's go. Let's go into it right away. Uh, for those listening, uh, the MBBF announced, I think, just last week or two weeks ago, that Mike Brown, uh, former coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers and current associate coach of the Golden State Warriors, I think, was coached at the Lakers. Coached the Lakers before as well. Uh, I think San Antonio Spurs, if I'm not mistaken and he'll be coaching the Tigers at the Olympics. So what that means is that the, Niger- the Nigerian basketball, senior basketball team, the Tigers have gone from William Voigt to Alex Nwora and now to Mike Brown. For me, I, I, I felt that was a, that's a big deal. That's huge. So I decided that, look, let's get in touch with Femi and find out what Femi is thinking. So Femi, it's your cue. Your take on Mike Brown being, um, you know, okay. taking so the I, I, to the I, I, already, I already did an intro <laughs> to that, so I, I'll just I'll just continue from there. Um, I mean, getting an NBA coach is is fantastic. It does it does it does good. We all want um, a coach who understands the language of most of these professionals who we play with. So it's, it's, I mean, it's what any average basketball person should be excited about, you know? So maybe because I'm not just an average basketball, <laughs> average follower, that's why I'm a bit more um, analytical about the whole move and what it portends. So the question I asked myself is, what exactly is, you know, the short, the mid and the long-term benefits for Nigeria basketball? I'm going to the fact that we are going to the Olympics in a few months. Yeah. Uh, so I, I did an analysis of okay, when will training camp be? When would you know the players start? How much impact will he have? 
Um, I looked at, you know, the person himself. I don't want to be a little critical about Mike Brown. Um, so it's not like I am in, in local parlance a bad belly, but I don't think he's he's a top guy. I mean, he's been fired in all of the head coach roles. Um, in Cleveland, uh, where he went to Los Angeles Lakers as well. He was associate in a couple of places. He's, you know, he started out at the Spurs. He was associate in Golden State. A lot of people give him credit for Golden State. I think I want to. I, I want to. Um, um, correct the credit for Golden State Golden. goes to Mark Jackson now. Huh? Uh, yeah, Mike Jackson started the president. Steve Kerr was head coach. Now, mm. as associate head coach, um, there was an Alvin Gentry, who is the present head coach of the New Orleans Pelicans. Okay. Um, in the last time out when they won the league. And prior to that, there was a Luke Walton, who went on... Went to the Lakers. ...when Steve Kerr was injured. Yeah. Did them well. Um, um I, did I say injured? Um, when he went for surgery, surgery. he had you know, Steve Kerr was suffering back spasms, so he had to go for surgery. You know, Luke Walton carried them through more than half of the season to a winning record. He was associate head coach when they won. So what I'm saying in essence is that you know, the um, the illusion of the fact that you know, Mike Brown, you know, was very instrumental uh, to the Golden State Warriors winning mentality is really not very correct um, because the people who were second in command at those times were having gentry look walking at the time before he got pushed up but but that's an aside it's, it's not the main point mike brown as an as an individual is not the problem um is he better than alex Mora to a large extent in terms of coaching prowess you may want to say so um but but i think alex Mora um personally has also shown growth and development with this team and which is one thing that, you know, personally um, gives me a reason why we would make the move. Uh, it's growing a chemistry, a synergy with the team. Let's not forget, he had just two weeks to prepare the team for Tunisia, um, where we got to the final with a totally different team from the team that won in 2015. Mm-hmm. We got to the finals of the Afro Basket. Um, yes, they, they decimated in the fourth quarter to Tunisia. Of course, we were playing at home. Um, they were going to be very feisty, but, but they, they did well, they won. And then we went on to qualify um, to, to the qualifiers. Absolutely fantastic run in the qualifiers, even though we say we play like weight opponents, but I mean, the African brothers anyway. Mm. And then we went to the World Cup. So this is where the critical analysis comes. People say he's not in control of the team. He's, um, he can't do this, he can't do that. I agree with his limitations. But I was one of those who were very, very critical of his approach in the first two games. You know, and then we could see the reaction in the next three games. Basketball is about adjustment. So clearly, he understood that he was doing something wrong. One of it was probably overplayed his son, and then he rested him for the rest of the, of the tournament. He, he, he wasn't playing. Um, because of the criticisms, I guess he reacted to the criticisms of playing him too much. Yeah, yeah. And then um, um, Coach Eriko's son, um, Mike Eric, yeah. um, also came in, had more playing time from the center. And you, you could see the adjustments he was making, Zana coming through. And he made those adjustments at the critical period where we needed the wins because we wanted to qualify for the Olympics. And he successfully qualified us for the Olympics. So for me, he sort of redeemed himself to show that he's a coach who is aware. He's self-aware of the team he has and his own capabilities as a coach. And that won my heart, that this guy could actually be a great coach you know, if he's given more time. Um, and also, being a little pro-Nigerian, which the Federation, of course, put in our face when they first came in, I-, I thought it was a really cool thing for him to go because I believe, personally, that the D-Tigers are destined to do well at the Olympic Games. But it's going to be unfortunate that, you know, Mike Brown will take the credit. Um, <laughs> for, yes, I think Mike Brown will take the credit rather than Alex Mora uh, because... Um, it's going to happen. These guys but, but will do well. Let's look at yeah. this. I'm looking at it from two perspectives. I think that from a business perspective, which is the purpose of this podcast anyway, I think it's yeah. a huge deal that could help attract a lot of attention and potential funding into the team. Now, why am I saying this? I'm saying this hoping that the guys running basketball are thinking the same way I'm thinking. My Brown... Whether you like it or not, he's an NBA coach, so he's a big coach, right? 
We think that with his standing, with the brand, Nigeria with the NBF should be able to sell to corporate Nigeria to put their money in basketball. That's what. I'm looking at the second, my second stance is, I think it will also potentially help us, you know, convince those guys that are on the fringes of whether they want to play for the US or play for Nigeria. Even though, as we say this, the US released their list yesterday, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then we've seen one or two names that we're hoping will swing our way. But then, the pool is very large. So, I'm thinking that there are a lot of benefits, even though the benefits are potentially short-term. But some of those short-term benefits could affect Nigerian basketball on the long-term, on the long-term, especially from the business side. Okay. All right. Um, I agree, I agree, I agree with those propositions. Um, but um, I, I also would, um, would define two places. I think, first of all, to be, to be honest, I think the D Tigers have done well enough for them, for themselves to be marketable. That is, they marketed themselves. How? I mean, as we speak currently, we have three NBA players on that team. So, the three NBA players already carry the NBA brand. We should should be able to attract whatever it is that I think my brand is going to bring. Okay. Um, Alfaruk Aminu is an household name here already. Um, Josh Okoge won the art of every Nigerian at the World Cup, plays for Minnesota Timberwolves, not doing badly himself. Mm-hmm. You know, so invariably, you know, I, I believe, you know, that that enough, you know, also attracts other talents. My, um, Josh just came into the league and immediately signed up for Nigeria. That's a huge statement for those who are still double-minded. You know, this and immediately is is already an Olympian, which is the dream of every other yeah. world who wants to. So for me, there's enough PR, you know, to make up your mind. I don't think personally, I don't think Mike Brown would be the one to influence that. If perhaps maybe it was an email doka, I would maybe understand that sentiment because okay, he played for Nigeria, Captain yeah. Nigeria, yeah. and then, yeah, I could feel that sentiment. But Mike yeah, Brown, but he's more of a, he's more into scouting. That coaching, isn't it? Who is that? Imel Duka. No, Imel is an assistant coach at the Philadelphia 76ers. So you felt that um, if we if we looked at him from a long-term perspective, would have been better? Yes, I think so. I think so. So, so yeah, yeah is also my biggest problem with, with the Mike Brown-ish. Um, um, sorry, I use the word ish. Yeah, you know, no, we, we allow yeah. explicit content on Nigerian to extra. Okay, thank you very much for permitting that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, is that from the inside gist that I have, um, I hear that coach Mike Brown is just here for the Olympic Games and then Alex Onwara will take charge after the Olympic Games is done. That is why Alex Onwara wasn't fired or told or let go and just demoted to be the assistant coach. What did that tell you about Alex Onwara? That is confident that? to take anything that is thrown at him. Okay, no, not not exactly. I, I'll be a bit sentimental here because this is Nigeria. And you know, what we regard as professionalism is is not the same as the global standard. Sadly so. Mm-hmm. Sadly so. But that is what it is. You know, that is why, you know, um I'll borrow from other sports. You see an Amodi Shwaibu come back over and over. You see Stephen Keshi come back over and over, you know, despite the embarrassment. There's a there's a sentiment of patriotism there. Uh, there's a sentiment of the opportunity to lead your country um, also in there as well. So, yeah, I really don't think he's a, the person because why? He has an existing job, you know, at Erie College um, as a coach. The community which college. It's a community yeah, college. Community, yeah, community play, college. don't play Division One basketball. But, but, that, but that's what pays his bills, <laughs> and um, that's you know, and um, he has a son that he started out coaching, who is looking like um, a, a top NBA prospect, um, barring any unforeseen any circumstances. You know, so so you look at that as pluses to him as a person. Uh, I mean, he started out coaching, and Jordan always says that a lot. So 
I really would not use that to qualify, you know, Coach Alex, because I think he's also in a very peculiar situation. Let's not forget, this is also an opportunity to become an Olympian, which adds up, you know, to his existing, you know, um, resume. Uh, so it will be a tough ask, you know, for him to to walk away from all of that, you know, out of um, all of this um, scenario. Uh, maybe I'd have acted differently. I don't know because I'm not in the same pressure. I'm sure he will, will take counsel from a few people before making that decision. But I reached out to him after that decision was make was made. Beg your pardon, and he was odd. Um, even though yes, of course, too, he was very careful with language because. Yeah. Um, a part of his brain was telling him I'm a media person, so you know, which I totally understood and perfectly resonated with. But but I could feel, you know, his level of disappointment, how much he personally sacrificed, you know, for the team as well to ensure that you know they got to qualify um, for the championship. So um, I would not think any less of the personality of Coach Alex for stepping down to take that role because. You know, you have to count your gains and losses. And I think that's the biggest decision you need to make as an adult or as a man, as you were. Sometimes you are, you are caught in between a rock and a hard place. But at the end of the day, you still have to find a way to navigate your way through. And um, so he, he made that decision to accept and be an Olympian, which um, I think will, will pay dividends, um, really. But, but you look at, you look at all... Do you, you look at all the talk about this being, being an Olympian, being an Olympian? No, it's a, to be honest with you, it's I a know, big I deal. Know, I know it's a big deal, but, you know, for us football people, you know, it's not... For football, it's an age-range competition. Well, 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 go out to Brazil. It's not the FIFA's calendar. Go out to Brazilians. They will tell you more about the Olympics. You know, how badly, how badly they really wanted it until uh, Mr. Neymar came to, came to, you know, pull the, the rabbit out of the heart for them. So it, it's really huge for most of them. That's why, look, um, the, the US team, for example, didn't do so well at the World Cup. And a lot of people were, you know, shouting about big stars and all. I'm like, they really don't care about the World Cup. It's the Olympics. The Olympics is for them the biggest, you know, competition um, in, in basketball. And really, to be honest with you, um, aside all else, the Olympics has been the biggest basketball competition for ages. Yes, it's been yes. the measuring stick for the best teams. You know, it's just up until recently. The FIBA World Championships now metamorphosed into the World Cup began to start growing, and then um, FIBA is really doing a lot now to put it in the map, which is very good. I think in the next couple of years we might start talking about the numbers FIFA gives to uh, playing nations. So um, I-, I talked about how much um, do they the give? That... What's, to, to be what's the price for the winning team? To be honest with you, um, it's, it's really never been disclosed to the public. But I know they get some some monetary incentives from the TV rights deals they get, but they rarely really come out with the figures um, as to what they get. But I'm sure in um, the last World Cup would have raked in some huge amount of funds. I haven't still been able to get those numbers out. I'm still doing research on it. But but I know the last one was even if the they give their money, our administrators will not tell us how much they, they get from FIBA. Well, true. They, they they like to do that a lot. They, they like tell to us like that if, if if for football, if that if not that FIFA made it, you know, very open, that this is how much it gets at its stage. I'm sure if I had yeah. students had their way, yeah. And I really don't know. I really don't know why they are covering, what they are covering, or what they are hiding. Because, because at the end of the day, because if you get all that money, you you shouldn't you shouldn't be going back to government and asking government to still give you more money. No? That's why. No, but I think these monies, these monies you get are meant for something. It's about showing what you want to use them for. You know, these monies are not for prosecuting tournaments. They are for developmental, you know, um, programs. And I think it's clear, if you have a blueprint of what it is that these monies are going into, it's, it's not hard. Yes, I mean, you are working, so you're, of course, entitled to a salary. You could give yourself salaries based on that. Nobody would point fingers as long as there are no exorbitant fees. But I think it's a case of greed. Um, a lot of people want more than they deserve. And um, there's also this entitlement mentality. Oh, it's my time. I was the one. Yeah. You know, exactly. me. 
you know, and then so you want to be all greedy about it, determine who, what goes out, you know, who gets what, and all that. And I think that's really where the problem is and why these monies are not disclosed at the end of the day. Also, for in, in closing the Mike Brown um, thing too, I also um, don't think because people don't understand that the Olympic Games, from a marketing perspective, is highly, highly controlled, highly controlled by the IOC. The IOC determines what goes in and what goes out. What you can showcase, what you can't showcase. What you can wear, what you can't wear. Do a critical analysis. You realize that, I mean, I, I can do basketball, for example. There are no shirt sponsorships, yeah. you know, allowed on jerseys. You know, yeah, because they have restrictions on commercial. Yeah, exactly. So you, you look at it, and so I'm really not too excited also, because the marketing things everybody's shouting about that Mike Brown will bring, we cannot benefit us at the Olympic Games. And it's not going to be here after the Olympic Games. Because mind you also, um, there's going to be federation elections after the Olympic Games. Mm. So there is, there is no assurance. Wait, you know, very, that, why are we like this in this country? So there are going to be federation elections after the Olympic Games. You know, like in football too. Federation NFF elections after the World Cup. So if God Almighty, right? Ah, we're we're heading for a huge disaster. So now you get it. Basketball still has their issues of two factions. So which is why I say this is just ah, a play to the show to the gallery. Man, right. Do you have an idea how much my brand is going to be paid? You know, because there's, there's really no impact at the end of the day. Do you have an idea how much my brand is going to I be actually paid? Asked, I actually asked openly um, on social media because everybody I was trying to reach out to personally, I'm wearing opening up. No, I, I don't. I don't actually. Uh, but I've, I've asked the Federation in open since all their board members are shying away from the discussion but i but i, I can't can board say appointment or a musa kida let me not say for a fact is it a board appointment or a musa kida sorry could you say that again i didn't is it a board appointment or a musa kida appointment? Now, that, that's another story that's another story but but it, from from all the fillers i've been getting it's more of a musa kida appointment than a board appointment because um i spoke to like three members of the board and two of them actually admitted the fact that they were not in the meeting they were not they were not invited to the meeting they were not told about any meeting that took place which they agreed you know to get a new coach for the d tigers and i think they're just six uh, on the board including the vice president and the president so you look at it and you're wondering what's going on um so it's it's this is football all over again now i'm telling you so it's looking more like it's looking more like it was you know from the top one man decision and i'll say this is very hilarious because i i i actually um watched the media briefing mr kida had with um media um after the announcement because i reached out to the media officer um, of the team because I wasn't aware of that media briefing uh, even though it was it was said to have put been put in a group I'm like but usually you invite group. people for media briefings yeah, yeah, yeah. They, do, they, they do that when they want to hide things you know you know so invariably and I had actually had um, our our president say in reeling out my brown CV as taking over from Greg Popovich at LA Lakers. Eh? Yes. The video is on the video is on Facebook. Are you serious? Yes, the video is on Facebook. And I'm like, Greg Popovich, Lakers? Exactly. That was that was that was, that was I'm like, okay, so I think clearly this man actually doesn't even really know who this person is. I guess what would have happened is somebody must have somebody who's close to Musakida, or you know, or a couple of people who are close to Musakida pushed Mike Brown and said, look, this is a guy that's he's probably willing, you know, maybe he's told 
some book close to him that he would like to coach at the world at the Olympics, you know, you know, this whole Olympian thing. And then somebody tells him, Oh yeah, I think I know the guy in Nigeria, you know, it'd be a good idea, you know, they have a very good team. And then, you know, he this person calls that person and, and then Saki that season and says, Oh, this looks like a fine idea. Well, yeah. Right. Right. Well, Femi, let's just let's quickly round up. Um yeah. done more than an hour. So, okay, so what do you so think? I hope you now understand team... where my where I know my I, I get you. I, I see. I I was very excited about the appointment. With having this conversation, my my morale is down. <laughs> and that's why I'm going to go to this final question to come to close. Yeah. What are the chances of both teams at the Olympics? Uh, honestly, um. I'm very optimistic about um, both teams, the men's and the women's team. We've seen tremendous growth um, in the last five years, from 2015 for the D-Tigers, I would say 2016 for the D-Tigers, because 2015, they, they were third, even though the potential of the team could amount to more. But it was that Olympic qualifier, you know, for, in France, that actually launched the D-Tigers into the world. Uh, to stand out with the constellation of stars and um, it's proven that our girls can compete and our guys yeah. can compete so mm-hmm. i'm holding on to that word strongly that we can compete at that level you know it's longer going to be the blowout we saw in 2012. Yeah. um i mean you could see the testament of even the competition at rio 2016 when it was just just you no know, margins we used in losing to spain um you know margins we used to lose to lithuania yeah. and then you could see the growth at the World Cup in 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 China, how we were able to you know fight to Daniel against Argentina, you know and and you know all the other teams that we beat on our way and the girls too, you know. So I think we will do well. I am optimistic about their chances. I'm not putting any caps to it to say group stage or semi final or podium finish. You know, I'm, I I mean as far as they can go, I think they can go all the way. Um, Coach Otis has done an excellent job with the girls. Um, I, 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 like I predicted, I, I said because we didn't practice long enough or uh, good enough, we might struggle against Mozambique, which we did. You know, we're a bit more stabilized against um, our opponents um, in Serbia and USA. If we perhaps played one more team after USA, we probably would have won that game. Because basketball is also a game of momentum yeah. and getting into a groove. You know, in, in in there. So, and the girls playing USA twice in the space of two years in competition. We played them at the World Cup, um, the D Tigress. We also played them again in the qualifiers. It also means, you know, it's some it's some confidence booster for the girls uh, to face anybody. They are the Olympic and World Champions, almost perennially. Uh, you want to say for the D Tigers, I think we still need to add a few more um, players to that team. Uh, I don't know. What Bam Adiba will pretend for us, though the US calling on him, I think we we'll need someone like that. We still need size, a bit yeah. of size inside. Uh, we still need a point guard and uh, we won't rush like Rogu. I think he's not patient enough to play the half-court offense, which we might likely do if teams are slowing down the offense. And we still need one or two of those guys. Unfortunately, I think Michael May is, is a lot older now. I'm not sure you know you want to trace that in the ring, even though I, I still like him a lot. Um, but we might we can get guys from the NBA um, to to come forth, and there's still uh, OG and uh, Unobi and uh, Toronto Raptors. Yeah. Um, although he's yeah, yeah he is there. There's Simeon Jele. He's not getting too much playing time in Boston as well. He's there as well. Um, I don't think will be ready. I don't think he'll be ready. He's just coming back uh, mentally again. Yeah, mentally, and um, I mean, he lost his opportunity to be and finally be and on the Olympic team. Because if he wasn't injured, I'm sure he would have gone to that World Cup. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's a blessing in disguise for us. Maybe you know, I don't know. Yeah. So, so do you think? Um, do you think we can? We can. We can. We can. Um, podium. I mean, no. It's a 12 team tournament, so never say never. It's about a bad game for one and a good game for another. And mind you, also, you're as good as the people you face because um, depending on the pool play, some big names might drop off early and reduce or give you, you know, the the belief to dream or, you know, as well, going into 
you know, the later stages of the tournament. So yes, um, we can get there. It's not impossible at all. With these teams I have seen, it's absolutely not impossible that basketball could get the first um, Olympic medal uh, in, in history. I mean, we've already set the precedence. Both teams are going for the first time. Um, from Africa, that is. So um, and a podium finish is, is not unimaginable. I can dream it. I, I believe I believe it's possible. Um, really, for any of the two teams, um, going 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 into um, Tokyo 2020, and we hope um, that um, well, at least this qualification, our federation can build on this. Because now it's, it's double entry, as it were. Even though from an arena, real field play standpoint, they may not be able to get much of marketing activation done. But from the media, you know, they could lash in on some. And some of us are passionate enough not to really look at, you know, the monetary incentives as mega, you know, just, you know, fire me between could work, you know, and really could work for a lot of people in the industry who I know will really go through. And Okubode, for example, I mean, will do a lot with his followership and his mileage, you know, personally, um, and, you know, with the corporates. I mean, a few other people, there's Bebop Niger, there's Queen Mosef. There are a lot of people now who are gaining, you know, that traction and followership even on social media. Uh, with yeah, basketball. The fact that there's no football at the Olympics is exactly essential exactly. blessing in disguise for basketball because all their most of their attention will be on basketball, will be on uh, wrestling, Weightlifting, the power, powerlifters, I mean a little bit of athletics, and I think that it, if we cannot build on what basketball achieved in the last five years, right? If we can't build on it and build a sustainable sports industry culture, build an industry that works, that can fund itself via private sector funding, create employment. Um, redirect the position and the focus of the youths in this country, then we have no business, no business doing sports. Fabi, thank, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me on Night and Interaction. Those that, you know, normally listen to this podcast will be like, ah, basketball today? Well, I, will, I go to wherever the money is and <laughs> basketball, <laughs> has a lot of money in it. And they are the number one sport right now. Whether you like it or not, basketball is occupying the number one position in terms of money, in terms of the conversations, because hey, Super Eagles don't play till March. So, basketball it is. Thank you for joining me on um, Night If you want to follow Femi Adefeso on Twitter, is at Incredible Femi on Twitter. And of course, you could also Listen to the basketball arena on Boom Radio, right, Femi? Right, right. Boom on Radio Thursdays online. You can listen to Thursday. What time, Femi? At twelve noon. Twelve noon. Twelve noon. So tune in to Boom Radio. It's an online radio platform where he does uh, basketball arena. Don't worry, Femi. Very soon we'll get you to mainstream, and their basketball Amen. can be can be projected even further. Thank you for joining me on Nitro Little Extra. My name is Adiyemi Adesoye. You can follow me on Twitter at YemiTM442. And then you can follow the podcast on, uh, on its own Twitter handle at 90 and Extra. It was a pleasure bringing this to you, Femi. Thank you very much. Hopefully, when I need you again, you will oblige us. Most definitely. I'm at your beck and call, sir. All right. Have a lovely day. Bye-bye.